Welcome to Motherhood on Tap, the podcast where two mamas watch a lot of documentaries and judge a lot of other parents in the process, but with love. I'm Sarah Duncan. <laughs> and I'm Pamela Walker-Dees. I love how you put that little, but with love. Like, <laughs> it makes us sound slightly we, we less tried. mean. We, we try Even though to mean. We mean well, whether or not that actually happens or not. Yeah. Is another story. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and apologize for any like sniffling and stuff. It's spring here in North Carolina. The yellow cloud has fallen upon us. And unlike other people, I don't have like full runny nose. It's just like a drip. And then for me, it's my eyes itch and my eczema just explodes. I went, I went like four days without my over-the-counter mm -hmm. medicine and histamine because I just didn't get a chance to go to the store. And Sunday after church, we went to get Easter dresses and stuff. And mm -hmm. I was like, I need some Zizol now. I need my because, And I know he could tell because he was like, yeah, let's get some. Because like all during church, I was like, oh, scratching my bark. I was I itching this. Like everything itches. Like, I can't even imagine. just want to peel my skin off. <laughs> but I love spring. Like people are like, how can you? Like I don't love the pollen and stuff. But I love that I'm going to plant flowers soon. Plus I'm starting to feel a lot better. There's daylight again. There's more daylight. I love daylight savings time. I'm sorry people. Yes, my kids go to bed later. But you know what? I don't care. There's more light. There's mm -hmm. more time to do stuff. Earth is tilting on its axis. Yes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so if I'm, I will try to edit out as much as possible. But. All right, thanks. now we're even. Yeah, and be like, okay, as I'm editing, I'm like, oh, that's when she did the cocaine snort. Like, okay, don't don't mind me, I'm just snorting cocaine over here, apparently. <laughs> you don't know if you, you, you don't, didn't realize you did a cocaine snort right there. You, you make sure you gotta lean your head like they do in the movies. There's a. Macklemore song where it's like a sort of pseudo line dancing kind of theme and rhythm to it and there's a lyric in it that goes cowboy boots doing lines at the bar so it's supposed to be like people in cowboy boots you know line dancing but I always do cowboy boots doing do lines at the bar and Matt's like that's not what they're talking about I'm like but it's rap it's always about the cocaine about the cocaine <laughs> not Macklemore he got sober that's true. Yeah. Yeah. He knows what's up. I just like being stupid. But in A Star is Born, Bradley Cooper did, you know, get some oxy and beat it with his cowboy boot and snorted it that way. Mm -hmm. Cowboy boots doing lines of the I may or may not have watched them. <laughs> it's a good thing that your tubes are tied. Not tied. Removed. Removed. Taken out of the equation. I think that's why Mark was like, no, we're just going to just take them because when you know the reason we chose that was remember it's an eight to ten percent chance that you could still get pregnant because scar tissue could build could build a bridge build a bridge and connect them again and he was like nope mm -mm. nope get them mm -hmm. out nope nope and a little egg just goes wee, 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 all, all the way, way home. home and we implant and we fertilize and we have a baby well as he says he's like for some reason when me and you and get together babies babies <laughs> gosh i had a day recently where i've started to become like oh me i'm kind of sad that we won't have like little itty bitty baby around like would it be the worst thing if we had like a third one the next day matt had scheduled his vasectomy <laughs> 
Are you serious? Like, we already, that's the plan. And like, that's what we had both like. But he was upon. like, he was like, time to get on that. Like that's, that kind of gave him the final push. I'm like, okay, no, really, I need to schedule this. So he has his snip snip coming up soon. Well, good for him to get the snip snip. I'm tired of, t- I told him, I told Mark though, there's still like a minuscule chance that you can get pregnant this without your tubes. Mm-hmm. Very tiny, tiny, tiny percentage. And I told him that, um. If I do, by some miracle, get pregnant again, he he should just get his balls removed. Like, I'm just, I'm tired of taking one for the team. I wanted him to get a vasectomy. Honestly, there's also a chance of having ectopic pregnancy. And mm-hmm. I said, you know, that's really dangerous. I really would like for you to have a vasectomy so that way we're both covered. But yeah. what Do adds? you know the physical toll that having three vasectomies takes on somebody? Snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. You know what I'm talking about? It's the office. It's fantastic. <laughs> oh yeah, it was it was Michael Scott. Yeah, he's talking about how, getting vasectomies, and then his girlfriend at the time wants him to get him reversed, and then get him, get him again, and get him reversed and again. It's like snap, 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 snap. Oh, oh please! And the only reason he didn't want to, he had one person who had a friend who had a somebody like six who may degrees. Or may not have existed. Yeah, where. Like, he lost feeling in his balls afterwards. And I looked at him and I said, but yet you have three really close guy friends, like dudes, friends, mm-hmm. that have all had it and they're perfectly fine. And they're like, yeah, man, I'm so glad we did it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, dude, you're you're not the exception. You're and the also, Yeah, and also the VA would pay for it. But whatever. Snip, snap, snap, snap. But yet I had to pay for it. I'd love him, though. We're just having one of those mental load weeks. The frustration is real. By the way, check out our past episodes in our old format where we discuss the mental load. The mental load is real and is big. And it's really bad right now. Just because pandemic and not, I mean, yes, lockdowns being lifted and whatnot, but we're still got a lot on our shoulders. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now that we had that depressing topic... Oh yeah, what are we drinking half an hour later? Yeah, you describe it. It's it's in Portuguese. Alabar. Portuguese. Alabar. It comes in a really pretty bottle, which it's is very pretty. Why we chose it. It has, it has polka dots. Well, the polka dots make a grape shape. Oh yeah. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have that designer creative mind, so I can see that. You smart. You're smarter with all your data. I try. But see, Excel tells me everything I need to know then. See, but I can't figure out how to do Excel. Oh, I'll swap you. We'll, we'll teach each other stuff. You it's too, it's too right-brained. right-brained. Okay. All right. So we are drinking Alabar Vino Bronco White Juan. It is very white. I it like it. It is a mix of Syrah and Fontecal. Sorry if I'm totally butchering that. Fruity and floral aromas with some structure and elegant finishing. Fancy. It does have some elegant finishing. I'm sorry, I've been sipping. You know me. I'm gonna gonna have a taste. We are gonna very elegantly sip out of my kids' sippy cups. Cheers! Yeah, her husband, Matt, was like, are y'all seriously gonna drink out of the kids' sippy cups? And I was like, are you judging? (laughs) And grass solo cups. (laughs) I like it. That's my kind of wine. It's dry. It's got a bite, and it feels very. I see. I put my pinky up. I'm it's, elegant. I like the. I like. I've been telling Pamela about one time a year. I go and find like a 
really big Groupon discount on a big box of wine. I order like 15 bottles. And the ones that came in this year have been really good because I got pretty much all white wines and they're all that sort of perfect middle zone of not too dry, not too sweet, and just sort of sits right there in the middle where you can... Not so much bitterness. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's not so sugary. It's going to give you a headache and not so dry that it makes your mouth like... See, but I like that pucker feeling. Like, I, if I had a dry white wine, I just... Mm. This one's right on the edge for me, so it's not not too much. I love it. Mm. Once again, that deserves another cheers. Yes, tink. yes, tink. Tink, tink. We, have to, we have to provide the tink for it because we're just like... Plastic cups. Tiny little bud. Yeah. If we ever get popular enough to have merchandise, we need tink merchandise. <laughs> tink or... Tink. I thought you were going to say have spot sponsors. It's like Wink Wines. Yes, please. Barefoot. Or Duplin. You're right down Duplin. the road. Duplin or um, Barefoot <gasps> Wineries. I forgot that they're... Are they close by? I think they're like North Carolina, South Carolina. You could be that could be entirely correct. I I am yeah. I don't know. I'm tired. It's it's Tuesday night and I'm losing all mental faculties apparently. Yeah, we're almost at that halfway point of a short week. Yay! I keep forgetting that Friday's off. But in a way that is making me more stressful because I have to get more done in the next two days. Yeah. FYI, we are recording way, like, out of, by the time that y'all hear this, it'll probably be, like, May or June. And, and it's it's almost Easter mm-hmm. when we're recording this, so. We oh, did watch something. We did. <laughs> actually, yeah. And so, we actually did something different. We watched two short Films. documentaries, documentaries yes. this week. Do you want to tell us about the first one? Yes, the short one, the shortest one, <clears throat> excuse me, came from... Uh, well, both of these were Sarah's suggestion. One is a nine-minute short film, and it's actually from what was the website? Nine nine-minute films, something like that. Yeah, it's it was from Vizio, something or other. But it's basically a website that celebrates short subject documentaries. So it's a it was just a great resource of these tiny little snippets and. It's really, it was really cool. Yeah. I liked it because not just that it was nine minutes, but like there was so much packed into this one. But this one yeah. was called Single Mother, Only Daughter, um, directed by Ellie Wynn. Mm-hmm. And it was um, released in 2017. And um, Ellie Wynn is actually the the subject. She's like part narrator of the documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think her husband is also a producer or something of it i saw both their names yes so uh do you want me to get started with it sure so we open up with los angeles and it's at night and the phone's ringing and the screen then cuts to hong kong and it's daytime daytime there and you hear a female voice answer and it's it's ellie's mother Mm-hmm. So her and Ellie are having a conversation and her mother's asking how she's doing and if her neck is still hurting. And apparently Ellie had just recently been in a really bad car accident. It's I'm like, I'm just amazed. Like the way she yeah. described it, I was like, how are you still alive? It was one of those accidents, too, which, you know, you reminded me that this takes place in L.A. makes a lot more sense with the crazy traffic out there. But it was one of those where one car hitting something like ping pong then led to like six other cars getting hit seemingly 
So she wasn't even like the first or second car hit. Yeah. But it still slammed into her car pretty hard. I think like the first car actually spun and as it spun it hit several other cars which then like rammed into them and I was just like how did no one die? Yeah so she's she's okay but she's still kind of sore and she's taking some time to recover from this accident and she was sort of thinking to herself while I'm recovering you know what if I started doing some interviews for a documentary and then she thought what if I interview you, my mom, about motherhood? Yeah, because she was saying while she was at home, she was having like this big creative block. And the and one thing that led to her like, hey, maybe I should interview my mother is, and I really like how they display this. She was saying she went and got out old photo albums mm-hmm. and how she, the, it was filmed is she has this large rug maybe in her living room, I don't mm-hmm. know. And she's laying all these photo albums and books and journals out mm-hmm. on the rug and it's kind of like time lapsed. And I just I love that. Like she's like, "You know what? I'm going to I want to do this." And of course her mom's like, "Oh, why would you want to talk to me?" You know, I love and that's that's the typical mother thing. Like, "What what could I offer you?" Did you ever catch what her mom's name is? I did not. Same. Cuz okay. she calls her mama mm-hmm. or mom. So she just kind of starts asking, you know, like, you know, what, what was it like from your side, you know, all those years of raising me? And she kind of starts out with, you know, for 18 years, your priority is your child. It's all about taking care of your child, making sure that they are growing up into a good person, ready to go out into the world. Once your child has grown up and moved on, you you miss them, but there's also a sense of, okay, I can do something for myself now. And yeah. I feel like that's especially true when you're a single parent. Yeah. And like, you had to be all the parental roles. Yeah. And like she's saying, I get to re-enter the workforce or I get to do something for myself that I didn't get to do. And she's like, it's kind of like thinking back to um, at first you're the top of the class and then you go to a different school or you go to a different, you know, college or something. And then you're at the bottom again, you're starting over because everybody else didn't take an 18 year break. Yeah, exactly. It's like in your mind, you're going to pick back up where you left off. I think it's kind of like when you try to go do a sport again that you haven't done yeah, in a few years. That's a good analogy. You remember how your body was able to do things before and your brain is still there even if your body isn't it's kind of like when my husband tried to take up running again oh dear it lasted about a week and then like he was like i don't think i'm made to run anymore i, I don't like running anymore. i'm like well you're you're 40 <laughs> your body's not meant to it you haven't done it like consistently for 20 years Gosh. yeah but yeah so and then she was talking about like that the pr- biggest, um, I guess the biggest thoughts that she had when once Ellie grew up was, you know, when they don't, when a single mother doesn't have to mother and father and everything full time, then what? Then mm-hmm. what do we, what what do they do? Yeah, what do they do with this? And that was like the hardest part for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that she, Ellie, even admits that she misses having her having a mom you know, full-time, especially right now as an adult. Mm-hmm. And being mothered. And being mothered. And her yeah. mom asks her why she feels that way sometimes. And honestly, I I gotta be honest with you. Sometimes I wish I wish I was being mothered or my Same. father or like just having someone take care of me. Matt and I had that conversation recently. It's like, I feel like all my energy is going into caring for 
others. Yes. Like, I'm still carrying some for myself, but also, like, I wish that someone would take that care for me as well. I wish that it was more of a two-way street. Yeah, I mean, I've said I feel very taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. And it always comes, but we're not trying to take advantage of you. You don't have to do... I'm like, but... The intent's only part of it. Yeah, it's like, but I'm, I'm their mother... It's my instinct to just jump in Mm -hmm. and like I get exhausted too. And it would just be great that as I'm jumping in, you're like, nope, Mm -hmm. I got it. Why don't you go sit down? But instead it's like, I'm jumping in and you're just, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go have a beer. So that's where, I mean, yeah. And I would just love to be mothered sometime. Like if I'm not feeling well or I had a bad migraine, like for the first time in forever, a migraine that level, like, it's probably several years, and um, I used to get them a lot when I was younger, and I just, I really wish I had my mom with me or my dad with me, because they knew how to, like, get the room quiet, and they would have, like, a fan blowing on me. Like, they knew mm-hmm. what to do, because I, my migraine started when I was really young, like, nine-ish, ten-ish, yeah. through teenage years, into my 20s, and then it sort of tapered off, and uh, Mark was like, I hope to God they don't come back because, <laughs> I mean, he knew what to do, too. But but having three kids now, it made mm-hmm. it a little bit difficult. It's like what we were literally talking about when we came up the stairs where uh, we were just watching an episode, an old episode of Scrubs. And Turk has just found out that he has diabetes. And so anytime he's like, honey, my blood pressure's a little low, his wife's like, Wait here. And, she, and she's on it. She sprints and she gets him a sandwich and runs back in. He's like, thanks, sweetie. With a pickle. And we were talking about how, like, yeah, notice that that's the dynamic when the husband gets diagnosed. But if it was the wife that got diagnosed, no way that would happen. No. Not in most cases. No. And I don't think it's intentional. Like, I'm not making you a sandwich. It's, it's just that's not how they're wired. Yeah. But doesn't mean that we don't want that too but we all want that like yeah we want to be mothered sometimes and then ellie also goes into now how and i mean i and i totally felt this way i started to cry at this point where she was saying that she feels like now she's more of in the mother role mothering her own mother and um i've been that way a lot especially with my mom with dealing with her cancer and right the multiple surgeries she's had, like I've had to, you know, sponge bathe her, shave her head, mm-hmm. empty her little, you know, drainage bags after mm-hmm. surgery, those things. And I remember one time her crying and being like, you're not supposed to be doing this for me. I'm supposed to be doing it for you. And I'm like, hush, you did enough for me. You know, mm-hmm. like, just let me do this. I'm good. And it's really tough because uh, Ellie kind of pinpoints back to when the roles reversed was around the time that her mom tried to complete suicide. Yeah. 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 And so her mom even brought that up and she said, you know, once you are responsible for saving another person's life, you Mm -hmm. kind of feel like you're glued to that person. Like I have to keep them safe. I have to make sure they stay alive. And she said, that's probably, and she's like, and I never wanted to put that burden on you, which I just, I just love that her mom was being honest of like, I never wanted to put that on you, but. Yeah. I wrote, I wrote that later on in my notes, but like, just, it was so refreshing to hear a mother and daughter be talk this frankly with each other 
and still you can tell everything that they're saying they love each other so much but yes. they're so willing to come to the table and just have these tough conversations but it's really raw and like she's not and like i love that the mom's like yeah i i can see how that happened yeah you know like she just fully admits like i can see why you feel that way now because of Mm -hmm. that happening and you know and and ellie goes into how hard it was for her because she never seen her mother so broken down before and and making you know, mistakes she never saw her do before. And, um, and she talks about this joint journal that they had and her mother does not remember that. I, even though it turns dark in like two seconds, <laughs> I love this idea. I'm like, oh, this is so I cool. Love I should do this with my kids when they're older. Yeah. And then, but she's like, but do you, I don't know if you know this mother, but um, most of the entries start with, if I die. And her mother starts laughing. She's like, does it? I don't remember any of this. She's like, yeah, if I die, remember this. If I am to die. Yeah. It's like a combination elegy and uh, like, Almost will like testament. will and testament. Yeah. Like if I were to die tomorrow, like you can even see it in the writing. Like if yeah. I die tomorrow, I want you to remember. And she's like, I, you know, and her mom just starts laughing and she's, and, but then she says, I'm so sorry. Like uh-huh. I, I don't remember it. And I don't know why I wrote it that way. And, mm-hmm. and, and, um, you go ahead. You get something. No, it, it just broke my heart. Not only everything we just shared, but Ellie saying that because of her mom trying to complete suicide anytime that her mother would be late picking her up from somewhere she would her brain would automatically oh gosh yes oh my gosh she's killed herself like she's not coming she's not coming exactly and just that kind of background stress of always worrying about if she could keep her mother alive and this fear of just losing her and then she even said like it's almost like an automated codependency like you can't help which i mean even her mother said that like well you know i'm i'm a single mother you're my only daughter we only have each other Mm -hmm. codependency is it just it just comes naturally yeah like there's no one else you lean on but each other and then yeah but i did write that down about how she the fear of just growing up and losing her and like how even if she was like five minutes late to her ballet practice you know is she is she dead and just imagine if it was the other way around like say you're a parent heaven forbid whose child was almost kidnapped or almost hurt or something like that anytime they got out of your sight for three seconds your brain would automatically go into panic just because you've had that worst case scenario happen or yeah. almost happen. I think that's why my mom always checks on me if I go somewhere by myself. Cause yeah. of, I don't know if you remember that time I told you about the guy yeah. chasing me, Girl. trying to grab me. Oof. So even now I'm almost 39 and I'm like, I got to go run to the store. She'll like text me, be careful. Mm-hmm. And then she'll call me or text me and be like, did you make it home? Okay. And I just, I mean, I, and I like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm home. I'm fine. But then I have to, like, I'll forget and then I'll remember. Like, mm-hmm. something will cause me to remember. And I'm like, oh, that's probably why she checks in on me so much. Yeah. Um, so, like, it never goes away. Mm-mm. Which, honestly, it took me, like, three years to ever go, like, just, like, to run errands by myself. Mm-hmm. I would wait till a friend could go with me if my family couldn't. And then when I went to college...
at this point of the conversation, her mom's like, hey, I think this is your documentary. Yeah. Single parent, single child, which then she names it single parent, only child or only daughter. And, you know, this and says, you know, the strong love between them, even though it has, it's almost a codependence of needing each other. Mm-hmm. It's still a great bond that other people can't take away. Yes. And I think it's sort of like it, n- realizing you have a problem is the first step. I think if you can both identify the fact that you're a little bit codependent, that probably helps exponentially of like, we understand this about our dynamic and we can kind of work around it within that. Yeah. And we were talking about this a little bit when we were um, taking a break that this documentary, it covers a, a lot of dark subject matter in a really short amount of time, but somehow it still manages to be uplifting. And yeah. Hopeful. I didn't feel like at the end of it being like, huh. Yeah. And it's all through a co- phone conversation she recorded. And it's something, and, I think maybe the fact that it is only nine minutes long, it somehow manages to cram so much into that short amount of time. And it really kind of leaves you with like, whoa, what did I just experience? Yeah. And I do like what Ellie starts talking about how she feels really selfish that, that she's almost abandoned her mother when she got married and her mom's like, no, you, you know, she's like, am I sad? Of course. She was like, but I, I love that you, you found a husband. And she said, and I thought to myself, I could die happy. And she said, not because, and then her daughter's like, but I, you know, Lassen goes, but I still need you. Mm-hmm. And and she just responds like, that's not what I meant. But basically that's the dream of any mother right. is that you found happiness you found a partner in your life that makes you happy and you feel loved and And i'm like amen yes and above and beyond that too like she was able to go to college she has a career like just so many things that her mother had to sacrifice or didn't have and do with or do without yeah yeah while she was raising her it's i'm sure that's one of those things where you're so grateful, but also there's a little bit of a guilt complex there. But her mom is just so gracious about it. Her mom is just, I mean, and then she also said, like, my, like, one of my goals as a mother is just, like, to see you happy. And she said, and I know you're mm-hmm. happy right now, so I've succeeded as a mother. And I believe if I heard correctly that Ellie is actually expecting her first child while she's recording. Was she? I think so. Because I think at the beginning she was talking about how, like, you know, thinking about you as my mother and as I'm about to become a mother. Okay. Cause I remember her saying something about, I don't know if I'm ready for it. Yeah. So I didn't know if that meant like she was pregnant and she's like nervous about, about to have a baby or, she or was they're still thinking about creating, trying, trying yeah. to have a family. I don't yeah. know. I took that as she's already pregnant, but I could be wrong. I don't know that you don't hmm. see her physically to, you only see like, I mean, you see her laying out the books, but then you only see her, like, from her chest up, so I don't know. And and even so, she might not be showing yet, even if she was. Yeah, but I I did like how she said, not sure I'm ready for it, because I remember having a conversation with my mom at, like, 24, 25, Mm -hmm. still, multiple conversations with my mom where I was like, I just... I had so much pressure around me, and I am so grateful I had parents that did not pressure me about having kids, Mm -hmm. and my mom was just like... If you are meant to have children, it you will know. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I've I want that love, 
I think I want to do that, but I don't think I'm there. Like, I don't think I'm mm-hmm. ready to be. A, I said, I think I feel still kind of selfish. I remember feeling that exact thing. Like, I'm afraid that I'm going to be too selfish to be a good mother. Yes. I'm going to want to make it more about me or that I'm going to choose what I want over my my kids best interests. yeah and for me it was more like i want to at the time i still wanted to go party and i wanted to hang out with my friends and go to a movie whenever i wanted to and not and you know when mark worked late well we'll just meet up at the movie theater and then you know Mm -hmm. hit the restaurant next door you know at like 10 o'clock at night not worry about what time my kidneys go to bed right and i remember my mom's like well that just means you're not ready yet exactly like no worries Mm -hmm. no pressure and i remember her giving me like a uh or showing me like a birth announcement she's like this is one of your distant relatives but as you can see you know look at her age and it Mm -hmm. was like she was 36 having her first baby yeah my mom's like not pressuring you i'm just saying like technology things have evolved in medicine like you don't mm-hmm. have to have a baby in your early 20s and right. then like cut to like two or three years later we were trying and we could get any pregnant and you're like bah. <laughs> but lord knows that it was not meant to be that way it was meant to be you know in my 30s because mm-hmm. i always tell people and i know if you're not very religious and you listen that's fine but i am very faithful and i just believe that god was like okay now you're ready Mm-hmm. Did not yet. Not, not yet. yet. Okay, now. <laughs> yep, yep. You're still a little selfish, girl. You got to realize where you where your headspace is. But yeah, and I just really like how they just talk it out. And even her mom's kind of like, well, you know, that's okay. I just mm-hmm. made me think of my mom when she was like, yeah. well, that's okay if you're not ready. But like, why do you, why are you nervous about it, or yeah. why are you apprehensive? Yeah. Would you recommend this documentary? Yeah, but can we talk about how it ends with yes. with her doing the her mom doing the karaoke and like her as a little girl that dancing? Was so, cute. so her mom, I have no idea what the song is. I did not. I should have like shazammed it to listen. Yeah. But um, so I took. I, I basically described it in detail. But like it ends with her mother doing karaoke. And Ellie's dancing, like, around her. She has, like, this little scarf or something. And she's just, like... Yeah, how old would you say she is? I would say somewhere between maybe six to eight. Something like that. She looks like Sabrina's size. Yeah. And she's just, like, lost in the music and And, feeling herself. And, like, Ellie's mom's smiling at her. And she's smiling back and, like... I'm like, I have the biggest smile on my face. And then I made this note that it's like both heartwarming and like kind of heart wrenching at the same time. Because, you know, I've talked to you about it. Like, well, we were just talking about this before we started recording. Like, we both realized that we're not going to have like itty bitty babies anymore. Yeah. Like, we're done. Mm -hmm. Our families are complete. And so it's like trying to get past that newborn little nugget stage to... And then, you know, Sabrina's almost eight and she needs me a little Mm -hmm. less every day. So that's what I mean, heart wrenching. So, but yes, I actually do recommend this. Me too. And it it is a quick watch, but there's so much substance packed into it. And also like check out the other stuff that was on that website. It's awesome. I will link it in the show notes, but 
Also, one thing I want to say about this is it gave me a great perspective as somebody who came from like, I guess you could call it a nu- nuclear family, you know, mm-hmm. the mom and dad, the siblings. I got to see what life is like. Like I always say, well, single parents have it a lot harder than me, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know. No. And right. this really gave me a, a sense of empathy yeah. to see it from their perspective. I keep hitting the table. Sorry. How dare you? I know. But yeah, how about you? Uh, yes, I definitely recommend it. And this is one I just stumbled across and I was like, oh, it's short. Let's do that one. Yeah, you sent me the link. You're like, it's nine minutes. I was like, ooh. So I kind of knew what we were getting into with the one that we're about to cover in a minute. But with this one, I'm like, I really have no idea where this is going to go. I was like, oh gosh, what if I just pick something that's like super dark or whatever? But no, it, it turned it out to be to be a wonderful little morsel of a documentary it was it had heavy topics but the like you said the way that they they have such a great relationship and i think because it was just the two of them they had to learn to talk that way it's either like they absolutely hate each other or they Mm -hmm. were gonna be each other's best friend yes and yeah it 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 very much ends on an uplifting note. I'm sorry. That was the most adorable thing seeing her dance. Made me think of Sabrina. Like, I could see myself singing and, the, like, her dancing. <laughs> and her mom has a really beautiful voice. She does. And, man, she had a figure back in the day. I know. She was, like, narrowing her cute little crop pants and her little red sweater. I, like, I know. Get it, girl. And, like, you could tell it was, like, the 90s or something because she had it where it was, like, the sweater, like, the cardigan. But she had it, like, tied at the waist. Oh, of course. The yeah. little knot. I w- mm-hmm. And then she had that perfect, like, Sally Field hair. And she probably had a pin on her sweater. Oh, you know she oh, did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Something sport, Billy. Oh, yeah. What All are we right. talking about next? Number two. It's called Period end of sentence and it's on netflix and i did not get to write down who was the director of this i'm probably gonna butcher the name so bear Good with luck. me i apologize directed by reka zetabchi reka zetabchi there you go and i actually first learned about this back in 2018-2019 when it won the academy award for best documentary short subject yeah so i have heard it was funded through um, a um, a charitable organization called the pad project. And Mm -hmm. I am aware of the pad project. I just wasn't aware of the short film. Mm -hmm. So when I pulled it up, I was like, Oh, okay. This is going to be good. And now that I think back, I actually think we had some members (laughs) of the pad project come and speak in at one of my classes in college, which makes sense because I went to the college of textiles. So this is definitely a textile product, but And sort of a one sentence summary is it's about a community of women in rural India who are coming together to basically create a pad, a sanitary pad manufacturing business for the purposes of helping women have better lives through having access to sanitary products. Yes. Which sounds a little weird at first, but once you actually kind of dig in and understand the cultural parts of this, you really see how profound of a change this is for a lot of people. Yeah. And I'm aware of the PAD project and what they're doing in parts of Africa and South Africa where Mm -hmm. um, many young girls that are just getting their period, they actually drop out of school or they miss like two weeks of school because they don't have any sanitary napkins any pads any anything to really use and Mm -hmm. the shame the embarrassment of it 
Yeah. So let's start. Um, so we start off in India and it says we're about 60 kilometers outside of New Delhi. So definitely rural area. Very. And we start off with a montage of women, of Indian women being asked the question, what is a period? And just being so embarrassed, painfully embarrassed. At or the shy. Question. Like just giggling, can't make eye contact. Some of them like. And some of them are like know. older women. Yes. So we very quickly get the picture that menstruation is a very taboo and uncomfortable subject. So much so that many men, grown men and women don't even really know what a period is or why it happens. Yeah, there's one woman. She's holding a baby. She has several children. And she said, I just know that it comes. And then after it comes, then a woman is can get pregnant and has lots of babies mm -hmm. is basically what there, she yeah, says. Like, we know it has something to do with having babies, but we don't really know what, because I'm sure they know is that it stops while you're pregnant mm -hmm. and while you're nursing, but there's just really no sex education. And it's mm -hmm. also such a painfully awkward and taboo subject that like even mothers and daughters or sisters or nobody friends. talks no about one, it no, no one speaks one of it. about it no one speaks of it and like the people that are there to talk about it they're also indian mm -hmm. and they're like why is this a big deal like they're mm -hmm. trying to break that taboo and i do yes. love when they can i bring up the when they interviewed that like those four men oh please do <laughs> So they're sitting out there and they're like, so have you heard of a period? And they were like, well, yeah, the end of a sentence where you get the title of the film. And then and, and then they were like, well, how about menstruation? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. I believe it's an illness. It mostly affects girls, right? Yes and yes. <laughs> that it does. But he was like, it's an illness, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then I do love the one teacher. So I don't know if this. I guess this is how it is in India. The, the boys sit on one side of the class. The girls sit on the mm -hmm. other. Um, and the teacher is trying to talk about menstruation. Mm -hmm. And she's trying to get the girls to talk about it openly. And the girls are like, mm -mm, doesn't bother us. None of us. And oh. she's like, none of y'all have had a period. They're like, nope, we haven't. And you clearly, you know, they're of age. Yeah, they're like middle school or high school age. Yeah, and they're yeah. like, no, we've never had a period. We have no idea what we're talking about. Like, you know that look on their face like, I don't know what's going on. Oh, do you remember that? This is like at the end of that scene. There's this one girl who is genuinely trying to explain or talk about it. But she literally gets halfway through a sentence and can't physically make herself continue talking because she's so embarrassed yeah her voice so her voice cracks and she just stops speaking it almost looks like she has a stutter for a minute like that's how yeah how much she's like trying to get the words out but just can't bring herself to and, do it. and her classmate i don't know if you notice her classmates like tugging on her sleeve trying to get her to stop talking like girl don't do it don't and like the boys this. are the boys are like what the fuck like and what why are you? Although I think the teacher's kind of cruel in that moment. It's yes. like, okay, let's not have this conversation for the first time with all the, the boys young the women room. and men in the room together. But you know what? When we're when I when I got the menstruation talk at school, uh -huh. it was fifth grade, and they didn't make the boys leave. Oh, really? No, we had it all in the same room. So I learned about ejaculation and wet dreams and all that. At the same time, they learned about menstruation and stuff. And uh -huh. 
I guess they did that to make it less embarrassing, but it didn't help. I just remembered the first in fourth grade. In our elementary school, they would always divide up the boys and girls, even though we all would end up seeing the same material. Well, yeah, it was going to be the same material, yeah. but I don't know why they had us. They kept us together. And I remember yeah. going to my sisters and asking mm-hmm. them. And they were like, no, they divided us all. They didn't divide us with this one. And she, yeah. <laughs> Jennifer was like, time crunch, apparently. Jennifer was like, ooh, that, that's, that's, that's brutal. That, that's something. And I was like, that really happens to boys? I just remember watching this video of, it's like this girl getting her period for the first time. And she's like, you know, I got it. I got it. And I'm like, got what? And like, they, you know, explain, you know, okay, you need to use a pad for blood. Like, I still, by the end of it, the end of the whole video, had no idea what the F they were talking about. Oh, no, mine. I figured the, out eventually. But I was like, what? The video I watched actually showed a woman's uterus mm-hmm. and it showed how the lining strips away mm-hmm. and like the blood. And um, then it showed a boy and his penis getting hard and erect and mm-hmm. ejaculating. I'm just yeah. like, you're like, and I'm all of 10 years old, just what like, is happening? okay. Although I will say, you know, we all kind of tend to moan and groan about sex ed and stuff when we're in elementary and middle school. But this really made this documentary really made me appreciate how important those conversations are. But you know, menstruation. I know we haven't gotten far into this. It's only a twenty-five minute short film, but and we're probably going to talk for three times as long as it actually lasts. It's, it's just faster to watch it. It's fine. <laughs> Ignore us. We have alcohol and. You know, and we have thoughts. And so much thoughts. But it's so still so taboo though here in the US. Like even I have trouble. Like I'll have a tan like I remember I was at a dance convention with the girls a few weeks ago and I completely forgot to pack pads and tampons. So mm-hmm. I reached out to the other dance moms mm-hmm. and one of the dance moms had stuff and I was like, Thank you. And then there was like a little cafe store, so I bought some so mm-hmm. I didn't have to use up a all of hers and I'm buying some and like I'm sticking it in my pocket or my purse or like I know even now like sometimes I'll like if I have my long like long sleeves on I'll kind of tuck it in my sleeve if I don't have a pocket mm-hmm. and a part of me is like why am I doing that when it's like I obviously have a period I have three kids mm-hmm. I'm th- almost 39 who the hell cares at this point yeah um Cause I mean, Mark now he's like, whatever I've seen it all. Like he doesn't care. I do remember though, when we first got married, we were at a target and I was like, hold on, I got to get some stuff down this aisle. And he just like all the other times he would follow me with the cart Mm -hmm. and he stopped at the very end and he wouldn't follow me down. I'm like, Mm -hmm. you can come down here. And he's just like, I'm good. And he's just standing there. And I was like, you do realize that you're not going to get one just by being around it. Like, you're not going to get a period just by standing near a tampon. And yeah. he was just like, do you have to embarrass me? I was like, how is that embarrassing? Your wife is buying tampons. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I kind of have known that there's that sort of, I don't even know which I, like, that trope that it's embar- embarrassing for men to shop for tampons or women to buy condoms or whatever. So, Anytime I'm buying anything now, like I think from like high school on, I just was very intentionally like kind of swinging opposite direction of like I go to the checkout counter, like, hello, I would like my tampons, and I would like my condoms. 
Rain them up, please. Whenever Mark would buy condoms, he would always get like, like he didn't want people to think he was just only buying condoms, but really that's all he was buying so mm -hmm. we could have sex. Um, but so he would get like a Snickers <laughs> and a Baby Ruth and a Dr. Pepper and a Sprite. And I remember he would come out and he would be like, okay, I got it. And I would look at the other stuff. He's like, what? I don't want them to think that all was coming to get condoms. And I was like, so you also made sure you got, a they knew about what our after sex snacks I were. Pre-coil and post-coital snacks. Nom, 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 nom. No, post. I needed a baby Ruth and a Sprite. I needed to get the energy back up. Cuddle snack. Oh, I don't cuddle. We really don't either, honestly. For like, I hate cuddling. Like, we overshare. We very rarely have sex, like, at night when we're already in bed. It's very much like, hey, the kids are in bed. You want to go upstairs? And we're like, we go upstairs. You know, we have our fun. We bang it out, as it were. And then we're like, all right, high five. That was fun. And then we just like, you know, go have our extra after sex peas and get our clothes back on and go back downstairs. Like we're, we've never been like cuddlers for some oh, reason. Oh no, Mark wants to be a cuddler. He wants to cuddle before. He wants to be all like super close and tight during. And then mm -hmm. he wants to be like an octopus after. And I'm just like, you're like, can I have some space? I've <laughs> never been a cuddler. And I'm just like. I'm sweaty now because of you. Like I just, and they're like, there's sometimes like at the end oversharing yeah. where I'm like, I can't breathe. Like he's okay. holding me that tight. And he's like, Oh, sorry. And then like, as soon as he like lifts, lifts up and lets go of me, I'm like, <gasps> yeah. There are times like, cause Matt has a little bit of a belly and I've got a little bit of a belly. So if one of us, if we're laying just the wrong way, it's kind of like my diaphragm get compressed <laughs> well my he's like built like i don't know how to like ice cream cones so he has like these massive shoulders and so he's like and you know i mean he works with his upper body so he's like is he like a cartoon like a cartoon football player where they have the giant shoulders and well he's perfectly made like a, a former paratrooper like you need the upper body strength but you need the tiny little legs so you can land and run, run. Run like a run, little, little paratrooper. Run. Run like a little Pomeranian. Cartoon character. He would be small but hardy breathe. But so yeah, so he knows how to like hug tight. I'm like, I can't breathe. I'm but like, yeah. I'm gonna swallow you up. So but he's never been, but other than that, like and then after that he seemed to get over it. So like mm -hmm. period. But he's never thought that was yucky. Like mm -hmm. I know in lots of cultures, and I know a lot of women that are like, I'm on my period. We don't have sex. And I'm like, really? Um, there is also um, one. So everything is subtitled, just FYI. And yes. one woman, um, well, I didn't write down I'm just, the wine starting to get to my head. I forget what organization she's from, but they say that many women drop out of school due to not having an area to change their pads or having to go too far from like the building of the, of the school building to actually change the pads. There's one woman or who not said, even having pads, period. Just having cloth, like cloth or stick in their underwear. Yeah. And they had like ran, like they would take like extra fabric from making clothes and use mm -hmm. that. And they, um, one woman was saying that she just dropped out of school because it was either like she could, she didn't have anywhere to go or the men were always around and she didn't want to like change it in front of them. Which, also, like, begs the question to me of, like, what kind of bathroom facilities do they have in school anyway? It sounds like... Not much. Not 
Yeah. And I have a friend that's in, she does mission work and she goes to a lot of those rural places around yeah. Delhi and they don't have. Again, just more stuff that we take for granted. Like, oh, you don't have a bathroom where you're not in front of other, like the opposite gender and it's, you're able to change. A and... lot of times it's, I mean, an outhouse is actually would be a luxury. A lot of times yeah. it's like just a hole in the ground. Yeah. Or yeah. like go squat behind a tree somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So I can't imagine trying to like change that. And then they were also saying that women are not allowed in their religious temples when they're on their cycle because they're considered dirty. And that um, while they're on their period, they're not, their prayers won't be answered to their goddess yeah, like, at that like time. Like God literally cannot hear their prayer. Yeah. Their prayers when they're, which just is like so heartbreaking and also just such a fucking patriarchy thing but yet they're praying to a goddess like one woman's like but we're praying to our goddess and mm -hmm. she's a woman so she should understand what we're feeling exactly i love it when when she talks about that and this isn't something they talk about in the documentary but i remember this when um the pad project came to speak to us um in some parts of the world like you know these women are almost lucky in some ways that they have spare cloth to use for when they're on their period. They were talking about there's some places where they literally just grab like handfuls of dirt or mm. or dust or just anything. That's not very sanitary. And it's just the knowing how delicate the pH balance of the vagina is and like just how many infections you could be opening yourself up into and just how well just and like urinary tract infections just so many bad things it's just the things that women have to do in order to try to maintain some kind of cleanliness it's yeah. horrible So, yeah, I, I, we had talked about this off mic, like some of the materials that you have to get, like even if it's just excess fabric, which I think they even talk about that, like it might have ink, it might have You don't know dirt. what chemicals it's been treated with, you don't know if it's clean. You don't know if it's been washed, and like it's such a delicate area. I mean, even menstrual blood has a certain level of bacteria in it too, mm -hmm. and then you have other bacteria meeting with it, like what it could lead to. Yeah. Um, like just so much opportunity for infection. Yes, yeah, so much opportunity for infection. And then um, they're also talking. And then I, 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 I kind of jumped around with my notes. But then I remember like two women start discussing with some other young women about how to use pads. Like, mm -hmm. what is this? One of them. What is do you named, do with it? One of them is named Shabana, and she kind of gives us the overview that. Modern sanitary goods are not widely available to women in rural, 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 rural Like India. I said, it's hard for us people in the southeast to say rural or royal. We started rewatching uh, 30 Rock a few days ago and keep, and in the early episodes, they talk a lot about the rural juror. The what? The rural, rural juror. The rural like, juror. Like the 12 person jury. Oh. And that's like the joke is like, you can't understand what the hell title she's of the movie she's saying. Like, I'm in a movie called The Rural Juror. <laughs> When's the premiere of The Rural 
Oh, it's, um, in, it's in February. I remember an um, interview with um, Reese Witherspoon because she's from Knoxville. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about working with a dialect clo- coach from the importance of being earnest because she had to do a British accent. Mm-hmm. And every time she would say ruin, he was like, I'm sorry, what? And like she would be like, you know, I ruined my dress. Like ruin, mm-hmm. you have to say, I even I struggle with it. Ruin, and like even now, Mark will make fun of me. I'll be like, Oh, Sabrina needs to take a ruler for school. I'm sorry, a what? A ruler, ruler, ruler. Yeah. I'm like, Sorry, mister. I drop a consonant every other word. It's coal outside. I have to hear that all the time, or it's about something. I've realized in the last couple of years that I almost never put a D on the word and. I just say, and this, and that, and this. <laughs> I'm like, so now, like, now that you say that, now I'm going to hear it every time, time you talk. <laughs> oh, I would hear it so much when I would listen to myself back on recording things. Yeah. Um. So, yes, these local women's health counselors, they, they tell us that, like, their counseling has evolved over the years. They used to tell women to frequently wash the cloths that they use for their periods and now they're actually able to teach them about pads and they're really trying to make it so that women know what's available to them and how to use them so that they can be as clean as possible but even the washing the cloths like they were even mentioning that that was even hard to do at times because they have so much laundry like they have to focus on like they they don't have a nut like abs- absorbent fabric like we were talking about like it mm-hmm. would just bleed through and then they would just keep washing and washing and then they would just be like well, forget this. So the good news is that even though menstruation is a taboo subject and there really aren't great material resources for women in a lot of these areas, um, we meet. I couldn't. I never grabbed. Could I, could not, name, I could not figure out his name. We meet a guy who has invented a machine to produce low-cost sanitary napkins. And and do you want to talk about why he decided to do this? Because he was talking about his daughter wouldn't talk to him about it. His wife wouldn't talk to him about it. His daughter and his wife wouldn't talk to each other about it. He's mm-hmm. like, he he basically said that menstruation. I mean, he's a man, and he's saying the word menstruation mm-hmm. is the biggest taboo in India. Yes, exactly. And I understand it, especially since it's, you know, it's seen as a woman's issue. So men aren't going to take an interested interest in it, at least in a traditionally patriarchy society. And women are going to be kind of shamed or too embarrassed to bring yeah. it up. And I think it's also, I don't know about you, but like, I know with some people it's like, oh, blood, that's icky. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, you feel icky, you feel dirty, you, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know about your perspective but i remember growing up it was like oh i'm on my period i feel just icky and yucky and Mm -hmm. yeah and um the lean coach part of me loved that he had a very specific mission statement oh yes go for it do it do it do it so his mission i even wrote it down but you do it Mm -hmm. i'm just i'm so proud of him he has such a good uh challenge statement for his kata um, his mission is to transform India into a 100% napkin using country. And at the time of this documentary, usage was less than 10%. Yes. So he knows exactly what his current condition is and he knows what his future state is that he wants to achieve. And FYI, India has over a billion people. Yeah, no biggie. Yeah. And so, I'm going to guess that that 10% that are using napkins, they are in 
cities. Yes, where it's more widely available and there's also... Facilities to go to. Yes, and also there tends to be slightly more forward-thinking culture in metropolitan areas. Yeah. Um, But yeah, this man who created this machine, he has started a local business to produce sanitary pads at an affordable price. Yeah. And it's actually, when you look at the the machines that he's created, they look really simple. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know what I mean? I mean, everyone has to be trained on how to use them, but it's, these are machines that he actually gives to women to take to their homes to start to do. Right. Am I misinterpreting how it goes? Um, It's not at their homes, but it's basically, they set up like their factory basically right their assembly in line home. yeah oh that's right in any home yeah yeah in that man's home he mm-hmm. thought it was diapers yeah oh yeah we'll get to a girl <laughs> um so let's talk about they do another montage here where they're asking different people if they even know what a pad is oh yeah i love that so many women don't even know what they are and others have they say they've seen them in big city stores but have never worn them and actually several of the women are using the interviewer hands them a pad and says, Hey, you know, would you like to, you know, take a look at one and how would you use it? And uh, yeah, several of the women, they're like, I don't even know what to do with this. Yeah. They're like looking at it, like fold, like flipping it over. Like they don't even know how to like rip it out of the package or even pull the and adhesive backing. It, and again, it just sort of hits me like, cause like I'm just used to like, okay, I can think back to my health school health class days of learning about that stuff but it was always you know us as the young preteen whippersnappers learning and then always you know and all the adult women in the room would know what they're talking about but now it's just like no one at any generation is familiar with how to use it's yeah just like, it's like wow. women in their 40s or so and then down like they're all yeah. like no i don't know what that is and but just Going from using a piece of cloth to being able to use that when show, someone shows you how simple it is to use, like, what a huge difference that must make. And they do the side-by-side of absorbency. Like, they dip it yes. in water and they're like, look how much this holds compared to the fabric. Or even they even had, like, a fancy pad, as they, they called did. it. And they did, and it was just dripping. They're like, this one looks prettier, but ours is way better and the test shows it. Do you want something beautiful or do you want something that'll work? Oh gosh, I do, you love remember, that. do you remember the comparison? It's like Oh, it's with the like, blue it's liquid? Like, it's like the pretty daughter-in-law versus oh, the daughter-in-law God. who actually helps out. <laughs> I was like, oh wow, I don't know if well, I love that or if I hate that. Oh wait, and then that one woman was like, well, or you can look at it as, do you want the handsome, gorgeous man that's really dumb and can't support you, or do you want the okay-looking man that can <laughs> get the, get what? Did you remember the see here yes, in that I'm one? Like, can I have both? <laughs> I want but both. Yes, I want definitely. both options. Like but support yeah. me, but love me. Yeah, yeah. So now we're at actually at the sanitary pad factory, and all the women yes. are learning how to make them. That's it. Was actually really. F- and now you're the only one that thinks it's really fun watching them make it. It's a cool process. So like you see them pull this like sort of almost looks like a little like like chunk of like ramen noodle or something. It's yeah. just like the dried fibers or material they pull it out they put it in this thing that looks like a pressure cooker and they like fluff it up yeah you hear it you hear it kind of go 
like that. And then it almost yeah. looks like cotton yeah. when they take it out. And then they take that and they put it in these rectangular molds and sort of, you know, compress them down to create the core that actually is the absorbent material. And then they have um, the wrapping, special kind of wrapping that they do to sort of seal it up. And then from there they do the packaging. Yeah. Well, they add the adhesive on the back. They put the little, you know, piece of paper Mm -hmm. that keeps the adhesive good. And then they wrap it in the outside package. It's, it's so cool that something so revolutionary can it can be made from such a simple process. Like you don't need all these automated machines and stuff that we have the luxury of in the West, but the fact that someone was able to create something that is a mostly manual process. Yeah. But yes, I thought it was really interesting watching them. And then they show the women how to do all the steps. But then it was almost kind of like they all naturally, I don't know if you ever noticed this, like when you ever work with like a whole, like you're trying to cook with a bunch of women or anything mm-hmm. like that, you all just kind of, you just kind of fall in line. Like you don't really even talk about it. You're just kind of like, I'm going to go, go make the salad. I'm kinda, doing the dessert. Yeah. You naturally gravitate where your, your, your strengths, like, you know, where you're supposed to go. Like one wants to do the little fluffing machine. The other one's like doing the adhesive, like they're all doing mm-hmm. their own little thing. And I... I just thought it was hilarious. Um, they're doing it in this woman's, um, is it her father's house or her uncle's house? I couldn't catch I don't one, know. But anyway, they're basically like the, I feel like this man is either the property owner that they're renting it out to, or it's part of his home that he's opened up to them where they're actually keeping the machinery and making the pads. He has no damn idea what they're making. He thinks they're making huggies. And I don't know if it's just they see what's what they're making and they make the assumption and women That's just don't want to correct them or they're know, actually telling them that they're making diapers. You know, bless his heart. I'm going to use that Southern rule. Bless his heart. But those are really tiny for a baby. They are. But it me. It's like if you've never seen that in your adult, like if the That's women true. have never seen it, then That's like, true. Then that truly your only point of reference, I guess. And I'm not saying this to like put down anybody yeah it's just interesting that like it's so far removed from their frame of reference that that's like it doesn't even enter their minds it's like oh yeah diapers huggies and then um one of the women i guess she's a relative of that person the man Uh the man that owns it and and one of the other women was like oh he thinks it's diapers and she was like yeah i just he thought it was diapers and i didn't correct him like she was like i don't want him he doesn't need to know yeah because then they would have to have the awkward conversation about wait what are pads yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) i don't know what's worse to like have the awkward conversation about a period with a young woman or a man that has like no idea like mark not having me trying to explain to him why we couldn't have sex right before i had my pap smear Hmm. like that was an awkward conversation i'm like no we can't i go to my gynecologist i have my my pap tomorrow and he had no idea what a pap was Mm -hmm. or when i actually didn't know that you couldn't they're not supposed to have sex before a pap smear it's what i always heard because it could mess up the cervical almost at the swab you well, it you know like the cervical test it's what i was i had always heard it could be an urban myth i, I don't know i have a friend who always called it the pap schmear i'm like it's not a bagel <laughs> <laughs> really a schmear like, pap schmear i'm like no smear 
because they and, smear it on the like sample plate and that's what they analyze smear it on the bagel well, they maya rudolph on snl a smear like i don't want to yeah they do on the petri dish but not it's not on the bagel no it's not cream cheese i hope not otherwise we have bigger problems to deal with you need an antibiotic and a cream. I'd say Pamela almost threw up in her mouth. Because oh. I... No, I'm not going to go there. Um, yeah, I thought that was funny with the diapers. But then it also broke my heart when they went to... I did write... What's her name? Suman? Yes. Nice. They go... They talk to her. And I guess she's in a different part of the village. And she was talking about how electricity is very limited where she lives mm -hmm. and this reminds me of when i used to work with several people from india mm -hmm. that immigrated over here and they even told me and these are people that lived in you know very metropolitan cities they went to school graduate school doctorates um, but they would talk about like certain times of the day you knew not to study mm -hmm. because you wouldn't study at night. You try to get all your studying done during the day because electricity might go out because there's right. so many people they don't have, and they don't have the, the manpower or the resources to make enough electricity grids mm -hmm. to supply for the whole country. So it's kind of like rolling blackouts. Yes. Yeah. So you sometimes, you know, when a blackout's coming, sometimes you don't, sometimes you know yeah. how long it'll last. So that's what she's saying here is that sometimes they go without electricity for like up to two days. And I love how the, it's having the power out is so common that they actually had the electrician's number written on the wall because they call it so often. So she said they have to make do with as much daylight as they can. Mm -hmm. And they try to work as hard as they can to have a surplus which I think is smart. Like the, she was saying, at least have, because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, the most electricity that they need is mostly for uh, the fluffing up the material, like the grinding and the mm -hmm. fluffing it, as well as creating like the adhesive for it. I think the wrapping doesn't require the electricity, right? right? I don't know if the, like when they compress the fibers into the rectangle, I don't know if that uses heat yeah, at all. Or I don't know. Or just pressure. I don't know if it's, it looked like it was just pressure, but I yeah. didn't, I didn't see any sort of like heat. Filament or but yeah, you're right. The, the adhesive probably would have to be heated. It looks like it. Well, when they it. take it, I see that when I saw the one, the one woman applying it, she was applying it on with like a brush, like I would like a baster. So uh -huh. it, I would assume that it would be melted somewhere. True. Um. So, but she said that the women work from nine to five every day. They actually have a log. Of like who checks in and checks out. It's like their version of a time card. Yeah. And she was saying that they don't really take a lunch because of the limited electricity. Like they don't know mm -hmm. how much time they have in a day. And so because of this and wanting to have a surplus, they made 18,000 pads. Yeah. Like they are. Pounds of pads. No, 18,000 pads. 18,000 pads. Okay. I wrote yes. that wrong. Amazing. And one thing that st stood out to me when they were talking about the rolling blackouts and working so hard during the day is they say that they try not to have to work at night. Like they only do it if for some reason their team doesn't hit their numbers for the day. Yeah. But, Cause the main reason is that it's really not safe to work at night. I bet it's not, not having electricity, not just the, it's, I mean, it's a group of women. Let's be honest. India is not good for women. No. For multiple um, reasons. 
there's a lot of violence against women, but yeah. then there's also a lot of animals. Yes. So there's multiple reasons. So yes, the so, patriarchy as far as women, you know, and it might not, and part of it, you know, I'm sure it's dangerous when they're all there together, but I'm sure the most dangerous part is probably when you're walking home from there. Oh yeah. And I'm yeah. sure none of them live that close to each other where they could like drop each other off. Right. So that just hit me like a ton of bricks when they yeah. were talking about Well, and that. she's and she made a point that we work nine to five every day. Like none, no one works after five o'clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the women, because they now have this great surplus of pads, the women are now starting to package the pads for retail. Yes, and they have the brilliant idea of. I mean, they do start to try to go to stores with them, but then they thought. Because the men are kind of like, why would I want to sell these? And most, yeah, most of the store owners are men. Yeah. Yes. And they were trying to explain, like, these are cheap. If women see them up on the shelf, they'll know what they are. Because, like, Uh they're, the men is like, well, if I don't know what it is, how will the women coming in my shop know what it it is? Kind of thing. And so they were kind of like, screw this. Let's put them in some bags and we'll go door to door. Yeah, and also because they also had the the realization of, I mean, not only do the men in these stores not know what they are, a lot of a women lot of are women not going to be comfortable purchasing yeah. them either from a man or in front of other people. Yeah, and they cut to like outside the stores. There's a bunch of like young men just kind of hanging out there. Yeah, and I, you know, I get it. Like, so they start having these demonstrations, and it almost kind of reminded me of like Tupperware parties. Yes. It's like, look how cool this stuff is. And they're like, does anyone want some? And they like start selling like hotcakes. Everyone's like a little nervous, but also like, this is super cool. I want to yeah. try this. Oh, and I forgot they named their brand Fly because yes. they said when, how did they put, I'm a little because drunk. They want- they with their help they want women to rise and fly rise and fly and because they will have the right materials to use i'm i'm trying to i forgot to i did not finish my notes so i'm trying to like <laughs> pull it out of my and brain and you have alcohol in your system and i have alcohol system and very little sleep for the past 3 days that they want um they want them to have the freedom of having the pad so they can continue on in their dreams, whether that's school, whatever yes. that is. And so that's why they say they want them to fly. They want them to soar. Yes. And what's amazing is that um, they sell out. Yeah. like They start doing these demonstrations and they weren't even planning on selling any that day. They're just thought they were going to like kind of plant the seed of interest. And they sold everything they had. And they made. 180 rupees on that very first day yes they sold all the stock that they brought with them and like some of the women were like when you have more come back and what's cool to hear is that the managers and the counselors who are teaching women about pads and really helping to like spread this product they have huge dreams they want to hire as many women as possible to give them like a job and give them income and also to provide pads to absolutely anyone who needs them. So they're, they're really all about creating opportunities for women, whether that's through directly employing them or giving them materials so that they don't have to drop out of school or give up on other parts of their life. And let me tell you, there's this one woman and what she says just breaks my heart. She said, my husband respects me now 
because I make, I help earn money for our household. She was like, before he just thought I laid around all day and now he sees me bringing in an income and he respects me. Mm-hmm. And I know that like that's just kind of like the patriarchy, but that stood out to me. And me I kind of feel like that's what those women are trying to say. But then she also said, but it makes me respect myself. Absolutely. Because I have a purpose. And considering it is a patriarchal society. Like more so than do, in the U.S. Yeah, even more so. Um, the fact that anything a woman does can garner attention and respect from a man is kind of a huge thing as garbagey as it is it sounds a little i know it sounds garbagey but it's a little empowering because it's like oh like it now seems like you it respect takes, me it takes a lot for a woman to gain that kind of attention for a man and our friend who was wanting to go into the police force mm-hmm. she's talking about her friend who inspired her who was already in the police force and she said that it used to be that she was only known in the village through her father. Like, oh, she's such and such's daughter. But now it's the other way around. They're, people see her father and they're like, oh, he's blah, blah, blah's father. She's, yeah. she's a police officer. So yeah, he- she's trained. Actually, I think she was like training to go up a level. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, she's actually going somewhere. So it's crazy to see just how having access to education and act access to just basic feminine hygiene basic feminine hygiene opens up so many possibilities for women yes i mean that is something like this documentary really did i know i had heard let me put it that way i had heard of other cultures and other countries having the issue Mm -hmm. like i said i was familiar with the pad project because of africa and south africa and those third world countries But you don't, until you see like a full perspective, you don't realize how good you have it. Like, I remember getting my period Mm -hmm. and I hollered out because I needed my mom to show me where the pads were. Mm -hmm. And my dad answered. And And I'm the third one. So my dad's heard enough. And I'm like, no. And he's like, what do you need? I can help you. And I'm like, "Um, I really am going to need my mom's help. I'm really going to need mama's help is what I said. And then I heard him faintly go, shit. (laughs) And then he found my mom and she came up and she was like, let me guess. And I'm like, yep, it came. And she's like, well, here's a pad. You, you know, she like opened it up and she was like, I don't know if you know, remember this from the video you watched, but you know, and so I did it. And she's like, of course. And then it's like, I don't know how your parents did it, but my parents just, I don't know why they're like this, but they like stood outside the bathroom. And when I came out, they like hugged me and they were like, you've now entered a new phase of your life. And I'm just like, can I go lay down? Like my back hurts now. (laughs) Like I feel terrible. You want to hear something awful? Oh God. I got my very first period. Oh no. When I was at sleepaway camp. I thought you were gonna, oh. I knew it was either going to be like a sleepover at a friend's house or sleepaway camp I, or sleepaway. like a church lock-in it, or something. It was at Girl Scout camp. So luckily it was all women. Okay. So Girl that Scout. That's better. That's better. Um, And lucky my mom was like much better prepared than I was. She's like, 
you know, Sarah, have you gotten your period yet? I'm like, well, this was her no. world. Like, yes, true. She was, yeah, that's correct. Like, she was if my mom, if my mom was an OBGYN, like, I think maybe she would have been more equipped. So, I think originally I was like, okay, I got three periods in my bag or three uh, pads in my bag in case my period comes for the first time. My mom's like, um, no, you need like an actual full week supply of pads in case it yeah. shows up. I'm like, fine, whatever. And of course, the next day, it like got it for the first time. And the really horrifying thing was like, I, I knew what to do. I knew that I needed to wear my pads. I knew I need to change them, you know, every so often. And, you know, that was pretty much it. But also we were staying, we were at camp, you know, you had to actually kind of like hike to the bathroom a little bit. <laughs> so, and you're all for the first few days hot. of the week, I actually was like changing my pads in my tent and just sort of bagging them up and like, I was just like, whatever. I don't feel like hiking all the way to the bathhouse in the dark. Luckily, my sister was also at the camp. She was staying in a different unit and doing a different program. But my bunkmates kind of like went and found her and was like, can you tell your sister to please go to the bathroom when she changes her pads? Oh my God, were you doing like when they weren't looking or when they were asleep? Like, like when I was did being, you... I was being, like they knew what I was doing, but I was like, I'm covering myself up and stuff like that. It was just... It was a little bit of me not being educated and naive and a little bit of me being lazy. And so they're and like, they didn't want to embarrass me, but they're also like, that's super gross. Cause obviously it was, it so is like, I mean, so like, to this day, I'm like mortified. Yeah. I mean, it is gross. So like, cause it's like I said, it's blood and stuff, but man, you really needed to like go to the bathroom to flush the room. You know, that's like, that's one important thing too. caught this but one of the guys who was saying earlier like they're making huggies right <gasps> at some point we see a little flash of him actually sitting at the machines and like learning making how to make the pad and i think he realizes at that point like i think one of them says that he realized that what it was for and he was fine with it yeah which is awesome it shows like okay a slow progression of you know understanding and empathy happening in a community that's fantastic. and i want must say i think he liked taking that pressure thing and like pounding it down he's like because no matter what it's for all men like machinery let's just yes. i know the stereotype but it's mostly true they like I'm sorry, they like thinking, they like seeing things go round, or they like being able to, like, have a force and, like, the pressure of pushing something uh -huh. down. Which, I mean, I do, too. I, I do, too. Them. There's something satisfying. It's kind of like those, um, what do they call them, smash rooms? Like, if you're really angry, you can go and, like, a sledgehammer and, like, break shit. Dude, we need to go to a smash room sometime. I... I've shown videos to Mark and I'm like, whenever, if we could find a smash room, that would be an awesome date night for me. I have asked Matt once he gets, finally gets the engine block out of the damn demolished church van that's in our backyard. <gasps> can we do it? I'm like, can I please take a sledgehammer to that thing and just have like a bash session? He's like, yeah, just don't hit the windows. Why does he need the windows? It's just it's because of the glass. It, it's a it's glass and it's hazardous and it's a pain to clean up. Ah, uh, yeah. So what are you gonna do? Just take a sledgehammer to the doors? Take a sledgehammer to just like the metal body of it. But I like the sound of 
breaking glass. Yeah, I'm going to have to go to a smash room because I want to hear it. Yeah, like I'm just picturing this being the like most cathartic experience. Yeah, there is a, FYI, there is an axe throwing place in downtown Clayton. Oh, in Clayton now. Yeah. I know in downtown Raleigh, but not Clayton. There's one in Clayton now. It's a little small place, like a little tap room. And he and we were, if you're on Main Street, it's right before you get to, do you know where Boulevard West is? Uh-huh. It's like right before you get to Boulevard West if you're going towards oh, it. Cool. And he was like, look, there's ladies night. And I kind of looked at it. And the first person that popped in my head was your name. Yes. I was like. Although that's not quite the same because it's like, I when I tried it last time, I wasn't super good at it. And also it's like, that's not the same. We're just like getting to beat the crap out of something. Yeah, I still want to beat the shit out of something. That being said, we should totally go. <laughs> yeah, we should go. Yeah, I think I, I got to look up what ladies night again. I was like, oh, Sarah would like to do that. <laughs> He's like, are yes, you sure? I, I was like, we could just get really drunk and just kind of like throw it. <laughs> just throw it the right direction. <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> Sorry, innocent onlookers. Well, uh, hopefully there's like netting or something so we yes. don't like and take they, somebody's and, head off. And they off. generally have you do it before you start drinking. Good. Yes. That's Smart. genius. But yes, I love seeing that man. He And he actually looked really like, and the girls are like, all the women are like clapping for him. And he's just like, yes, yes. I made a pad. <laughs> I made a pad. Um, mm-hmm. Do you remember the school principal that we meet briefly? Oh, and when she talks about how much power a woman has. Yes. Um, I I wrote this down as a Did quote. Did you write her it, quote? But, but I think it's, it's I, I butchered it slightly here and there, but this is the Go general ahead. gist of it. I'm a bit of a feminist. Women are the base of any society. Which is truth. Yes. Women are powerful, but they often don't recognize their own power. And the world is moving forward because of women. Yes. Yes. Which all of which are true. Like any time that a country makes like giant leaps forward, it usually coincides with women gaining more power, mobility, more wealth, freedom, more rights, something. Yeah. And a lot of and what she said was like women are the basis of every society. It's the truth. I was watching something else where it was like if you don't have women, society can't progress. You mm-hmm. cannot have children. You cannot have the caring nature of the world you can't have empathy mm-hmm. and i know there's some women that aren't empathetic but you know what i'm saying like the yeah. general gist of it um and i loved what she said because it's like the truth um and also talking to my to mark i just i love my husband dearly because there's times where he'll say like what i was telling him <clears throat> sorry there was a court ruling in another state that really upset me about um, a rape conviction got overturned because the court felt that her consuming alcohol was basically her way of, you know, she intentionally got raped basically is what they ruled because she consumed, yeah. she intentionally consumed alcohol. This is what led to you getting raped. So it's not the rapist's fault. Right. And I was telling him that and he was like, what the fuck is wrong with the world? Yeah. He was like, two people made choices that night. He yeah. could sh- have chosen not to do that. And I was like, thank you. And he was like, I just don't understand why. And maybe it's because he's, he calls, I mean, he likes to call himself the girl dad. Maybe it's because he's a girl dad now. He sees it more mm-hmm. than he ever did before we had kids. And he's just like, I don't understand what's wrong with the world. What, what, why do people have to bring down women so much? Yeah. And why do people so click, quick <clears throat> to find excuses for why? It's okay for a man man to do it. It was justified in what he was doing. 
as opposed to why the hell women, you know, why is it always our fault that we are the victims for things? But his, and then he made another comment the other night is like, but in the end, we all turn to you, mm-hmm. meaning we all turn to women for, yep. for things that we need. Did you ever hear about the judge in uh, Georgia, I think, who told a rape victim, why don't you just keep your legs shut? No, but I'm glad he I didn't know that. He was eventually disbarred. Was he disbarred? Yep. Okay, good. Kind of like. I'm just like, <clears throat> I'm sorry, what? Can't, you can't quite get your legs shut when they're being forced open. Mm-hmm. And also, and I think... Like, I'm sorry, would you like me to bring in a 300-pound person to try to overpower you and see if you can keep your legs shut? Bend over, Judge. Hmm. Why don't you bend over and see how you like it? Or if someone's holding a knife to you, are you going to are you gonna hold your legs shut? Or are you going to try to give them what they want so that they might not kill you? Or they put something in your drink and you're, and you're mentally conscious, but you're physically incapacitated. Exactly. Just, mm, again, why is... This is such a simple subject. Why is it so hard for people to understand and it's the kind concept of consent? And all I can think of is that swimmer out in California and that judge got disbarred because he was like, well, I can't send him to prison. He's a promising young man. Yes, you can. He made his own decisions. He dragged a very intoxicated woman behind a dumpster and raped her. Mm-hmm. And let me say, there, the reason that she was found and not like left for dead because they said like the way like he also beat her. Um, two men caught him in the act, mm-hmm. stopped him, beat him up, and dragged him away from her and yeah. called 911. So let's say they're heroes. Yes. I'm sorry time. to go off on this tangent, but, like, I just love that my husband, like, notices it. Mm-hmm. And also I've shared some of my own, like, personal trauma with him. And so, like, I've explained why. I don't. He never understood uh, when fam, he he has um a younger brother, and there mm-hmm. was a few times his he wanted um his brother to come visit, but he didn't want his brother to travel alone, so his friend wanted to come, and I was like, I don't like a man that I don't know being in my house, mm-hmm. and he never understood why, and then and I remember one time just crying and sobbing, and I finally explained to him that I'd been in situations. Thankfully, I have not been assaulted to that point, mm-hmm. but I have been assaulted. Yeah. Almost and, all of us have, yeah, unfortunately. And I said, I just don't like men I don't know. I said, let me put it to you this way. The only two men in the world that I truly trust wholeheartedly are you and my father. Mm-hmm. And I said, and I have a lot of men in my family. Don't all trust them. Mm-hmm. What does that say? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, like there's always, I feel like this calculus going on in the back of most women's heads. Always. About, like, okay. I'm going to be in this situation, potentially alone with a man or potentially in a situation where if he decided to do something, how would I get out of it? Would I be able to get help? Would I be able to fend him off? Like it's like background programming that's always running. In the back of my mind, if I'm on an elevator by myself and a man gets on, I in the back, I, I, it's become second nature. I don't realize I do it now, but. Um, Sabrina has noticed it and she pointed out to me that I get my keys mm-hmm. and I put them between my fingers or with one of them the, sticking out the door so they can't stand between you and the door. Yeah. I get a little bit closer to the door and I put the keys there mm-hmm. in between my fingers where the key is like the sharpest key is sticking out. Yep. 
Um, if I know that, especially when I was still doing theater and I would be leaving late from rehearsals, I, I always parked either as close to the building as possible and or under a street light. Yes, so street be, lights. So it would make it very difficult for someone to hide right around my vehicle. And I would always try to have one of the one of my castmates walk me to my car. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, thankfully, I have a newer car. So when I unlock it, like all the lights come on, mm-hmm. but I won't. And like the girls get frustrated because they're tired. And I'm like, no. And I always look in the car before we get in it. How sad is that? How sad is that I have to do all that? But anyway, yeah. I do love what she say. she's saying is that women are the backbone and yet we don't we we won't progress until we respect that mm-hmm. and we're back to the man who like runs the factory the guy whose name we never caught and i didn't catch his entire quote but essentially what he's saying is god's most powerful creature creature is not a lion or a bear or a wild beast but a woman yeah well he goes through all the things that women go through he's like they menstruate they get pregnant they give birth mm-hmm. they take care of the family but all the while they continue to menstruate, give birth, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And yet, like, they have this inner strength to just keep pressing forward. Mm-hmm. And then that's when he said, like, it's not a lion, it's not a tiger, it's a woman. Which and I was like, cry- yes. were you crying? Because I cried. I was borderline. I was just, I was more just like, yes, yes. You were doing all the, like, feminist woman. I'm all like, man. I was more of like standing and applauding with like the west wing music in the background like feeling very inspired meanwhile i was like all in my emotions like someone gets it i feel so validated i feel seen i'm very seen right now and the way i just kind of finished up my notes because that's sort of how it ends is that it's amazing to see the opportunities that open up to these women because of they have jobs like they were talking about like they can afford clothes for their kids. And like some of the women have daughters and they were like, I'm at, they're actually speaking to their daughters about this so that they're mm-hmm. prepared for when they get their period. Yeah. And like these women, they either have disposable income or they're able to continue their education. And just the idea that such a simple product can either through employment or through just providing sanitary, uh, I don't even know what the word, like a sanitary way of dealing with the natural process opens up so many more avenues in a woman's life. Oh, and the woman that wanted to be a police officer, she got accepted into her training. Yes. I completely ran out of time. I really wanted to do a follow-up on. Yeah, I didn't do a follow-up on any of these. Or how the business is going. Yeah, but the PAD project is actually a very prominent project. It's padproject.org. If you go to it. Um, there's also several companies that give a certain process, uh, process I'm drunk, or tipsy, um, a certain percentage mm-hmm. of their profits to the pad project. So um, I recommend going to the website. I'll link that in the show notes, yeah, too. Yeah, I'm very much thinking that I kind of want to go and give a donation after seeing this. Yeah. Which is kind of the whole point. Because it's it keeps saying that they're still going. Um, it's also, it was also... Like the Kickstarter funded, as yes. well as uh, several other companies helped and fund this. For me, this is just such a wonderful reminder of sometimes it's not something super complex or elaborate that makes a difference. Sometimes it's just as simple as 
what is something there's a need getting, what is the need or what is something that is getting in the way and how do we either meet that need or get that obstacle out of the yeah. way and we're doing both in this case and i love that it won the academy award mm -hmm. because that gives it even more prominence yeah and it's very well done it's only 24 minutes long and it's like the other one it covers really in a short period done and i mean you it's kind of like the nine minute one where you're you're laughing then you're kind of i was crying then you're like fist pumping the air mm -hmm. and then at the end you're just like yeah you go girls like short subject documentaries might be my new jam now and it's also great for my you know add personality like it's so short Woo! i got it all for me, I like it just because I don't have, I, I'm a, I'm constantly in a time crunch. Mm -hmm. I always tell people, I'm like, tell me fast, tell me fast, tell me fast. But yeah, I like to, when you, when you text me and you're like, we get to this. And then this is only like 24, 25 minutes. I was like, sweet. Yes. You're like, do you want to do both? I'm like, double feature. Double feature. So don't be surprised if you see a few short documentaries sprinkled in in the future. Yeah, because the last few we, we've looked into doing, the reason that we did this one was because the one that I picked is like two hours long. And, and it's so good. It's so it takes, good. It takes, we were talking before we started recording that whatever amount of time, the doc, whatever length the documentary is, multiply that times two or three. And that's how long it takes to do all the notes on it because we're yes. stopping, rewinding, writing things down. Yeah. Like the, like the Bethany Hamilton we did, it was close to two hours. Mm -hmm. I watched it three times, like three full times. And it still took me like, and I think if I added that, it was probably like six hours spread those mm -hmm. three days of watching it. Because um, I love how Martin, he walked in by the third time and was like, don't you have this memorized by now? I'm like, shut up. You want to do my notes? And yes, I'll, almost. <laughs> A part of me, I have the voice, I downloaded the voice recorder app because I thought, well, maybe I could like voice record notes, but it doesn't. That too. I don't, I can't always get everything. Because then as yeah. I'm talking, I still have to pause the freaking movie because otherwise right. I'll miss something. <laughs> I'm like, this is not working. And you're just like, words, thoughts, blur. Like, I keep trying. I feel like I feel like Mark does where he always tries to find, like, a shorter way somewhere. Like, he always tries to find, like, the shortest route possible when he's driving. And, like, sometimes. Girl, speaking my language. <laughs> he's very ADD. He's never been diagnosed, but he has all the symptoms. I love him, but he has all the symptoms. And I sometimes I tell him, like, honey, sometimes there is no short route. Sometimes you've already found it. Yeah, like, the shortest route that you have is it. You know, yeah. like, you can't, like, you, I'm, I know you want to dig a road and put it there, but. Sometimes life is just a disappointment and you just need to deal with it. <laughs> wow, I've had that conversation recently. <laughs> With my kids, like, sometimes things don't go the sometimes way you want. they just suck. <laughs> yeah. Or they're great. Either or. Reference the year 2020. It all, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Well, on that cheerful note, would you recommend a period <laughs> end of sentence? I would. And I honestly, I think, now like, hear me out. I think it would be really good, like, after you have a mother-daughter talk about your body and menstruation to mm -hmm. watch it. Yeah. I think it would help. Mm -hmm. Like, just show, 
I know I, I agree with you on a serious note, but also on a joking note, I also imagine it's be like, look, see, honey, this could be so much worse. Oh God, I didn't it mean it like so much more awkward. I think I know. I took a very genuine thought yes. and just completely messed it up. I seriously thought about studying sociology after taking um, my two sociology classes in college. It's I took so another one because it's very fascinating. And I think like this, this documentary would be so great in a sociology class. Don't you think? Yeah. Cause it's, it's so much about how like the a cultural culture mindset, mindset impacts a very physical practical need or problem yeah and as i said like if you think about like it's still somewhat taboo here in the u.s mm-hmm. i mean even though we have commercials and stuff for peers all the time but it's only certain times of the day if you've noticed that mm-hmm. um when kids aren't home or the husband might not be his home it's more women are at home typically mm-hmm. um I just think that would make for a good sociology class. Like watch that and then be like, how is that comparable to the U S or different Mm -hmm. thoughts? And it reminds me of different phases of like birth control moving into. Oh God, that's another phase. The public spectrum of, you know, going from the days of like, you know, it's illegal to, okay, it's legal, but if you have it, you're considered, you know, you know, a loose individual until like, you know, doing PSAs in the eighties and nineties of like, you know, wear a condom in order to prevent, you know, sexually transmitted diseases or prevent pregnancy. I'm going to shock you right now. So we live in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. It is 2021. Mm -hmm. I did not know this until after I had Brianna, one of uh, well, she's a former daycare. I guess she, I don't think she works at our daycare anymore, but she was asking me if we were done. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm, well, I hadn't had Brianna yet. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to have my tubes out. And she's like, oh, they'll let you do that. And I said, what do you mean let me? And she's like, well, after my second one, they told me I couldn't because in North Carolina, you, you, if you are under 25, you couldn't have your tubes tied or removed unless a you're married and you have your husband's consent b you have some sort of physical like some sort of physical health issue that you could that, pass on like yeah or like uh, or if you got, were to get pregnant again like it could kill you or something or c you are over 25 and you could make that consenting decision i'm sorry what yeah, and then I had a couple of um, friends who told me that they were over the 25, but their doctor wouldn't do it because they didn't, they needed to speak to their husband first. I'm sorry. What? Yeah. And I, I hear you. Uh, and I was like, none of my doctors said that to me. Mainly probably because I would be like, um, why the fuck you give his, like, why I do you care? I asked my mom about that because... I mean, That's granted, she's what... been retired for a few years, but, like, she practiced for 30 years. She clearly would have heard. Apparently, it's anything something. to do with any type of sterilization for a female. That, like, the dad, like, especially if you weren't married, too. I think it was also not just your husband, but, like, if you weren't married, the father of your children needed to consent. And I'm like, That's fucked up. But if you're not married and you were to break up and you were to end up with someone else and you wanted to have children, like, I don't know. 
Yeah, and it's it's one of those things. I where could like, be yeah, wrong. I think if your parents, you should have that conversation and hopefully be on the same page. But that's not your doc- doctor's job to ensure. Your doctor's job is to take care of you, the patient. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what truth is that. That's what she said to me. I never looked it up because personally, I was I like, hope a doctor did not tell her that. I that's what she told me. But again, oh this gosh. was two years ago, and I was 37, and I was like, I don't have this freaking baby be done. Cause You're like, I check off on both counts. As I I'm s- way over 25, and don't, and my I husband, don't need it, but I have my husband. And my husband's in. on board regardless. Um, I will say that like when I first got pregnant with Brianna, before I started to get really sick and have any sort mm-hmm. of health, like, health issues with it, I really was like, yeah, he says it's the last one, but I'll talk him into one more. And then once the swelling and the carpal tunnel and the continuous morning sickness, I was like, nope, I'm good. Mm-mm. I wrap this up. No, you're good. Well, whew, we are exhausted. We managed to take Damn, a, how is it 11? <laughs> a nine minute documentary and a 24 minute documentary and turn it into like three hours <laughs> as only we can. <laughs> Like I just looked in. Of course, I, of course, everything's blurry, so I'm gonna have to sit and like eat my slim gems that I brought. But yes. yeah, how is it eleven already? I don't even know. What I, happened? We're gonna go lay down on the couch and the chair in my living room for a little bit and dry out. I'm gonna go pee. Yes. So until next time, I'm Sarah Duncan and I'm Pamela Walker Dees. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Our theme music is by Yov Aliagon. Be sure to check out the Motherhood on Tap page on Facebook. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcast. It really helps to get the word out about the show. You can subscribe and follow Motherhood on Tap on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and most other podcast apps. If you have questions or funny stories, you can email us at motherhoodontap at gmail.com. Partner with us on Patreon.com for special bonus episodes and help keep this podcast and the two of us in business. Till next time. time.